You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Terry Riley titled, Past, Present, Your Future. For more information, please visit creekside.org. If you had 2018 to do over again, how many of you would do something different? Honestly. We're done. (laughs) Serious. Nobody, there's nothing that you would do differently. You're just like, wow, it was a great year. Everything was perfect. No. Okay. Well, we got, I think we might've picked up a few more there. The reason, you know what is, I don't know about you, but there's always something or some things or many things probably from the last year that I would just adjust, recalibrate, potentially change as I look back. And I think that's so important because sometimes we can look at the good things that we've accomplished or experienced and we think, okay, we're good to go. Or we can look back and say, whatever. I want to talk this morning about that because we don't want to get comfortable. I mean, we want to enjoy life. I'm not one that says, oh man, that our Christianity should make us endure. I think we should enjoy life. But I believe the most fulfilled people are those who have a have an intentionality and a focus and a purpose for where they're going and why they're going there. And you don't get comfortable. Uh, Note this video of this employee of the month, former employee of the month. Very quiet. No, that's not all. That is a mess. It kind of makes you wonder, do you want to walk into Costco and shop there again, you know? It's like, is it, is it really going to be safe when you see those people driving around and, and everything? Former employee of the month. Uh, you, you know, sometimes you give it your best shot. You give it your best shot and still you come up short. Sometimes you work really hard. Maybe you want to have this strong marriage, but it just doesn't seem to progress. Maybe you work really hard at your job and you get laid off or you lose it or you have to find another one. Maybe you just make a mess out of things. The fact is, the truth is, loved ones, is we're going to miss the mark at different points. We did last year. We probably will this year. We're going to fall. You know why? Because nobody's perfect. Now, some people have a tendency to believe they are, uh, but but I, I, I want to say to you, regardless of... What you've had in your life in 2018, it can change and be better for 2019 as a pursuer and follower of Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm learning. It's never too late to start again, and it's always too soon to quit. How many of you have wanted to quit something and you, you stuck it out, you persevered, you stayed with it to find out, oh, God, thank you that I didn't quit. And never forget that as you move into this year, because it's easy... 
to reflect and be really concerned about what happened last year. We've already stepped over the threshold from 2018 to 2019, and, 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 and there's probably some of you here that would even have a cynical assessment that it's really not that important. I mean, it's common for people to say, what difference does it really make? I mean, another year, another calendar, what's the difference of one minute from the next? I mean, we went from 1159 to 1201. We went from December 31st to January 1st. We went from 2018, and now it's 2019. I mean, really, what difference does it make? Now, don't raise your hand if you're one of those, because I'm going to say something that will probably make you mad. It's oftentimes people that live and move and think with that kind of cynicism that probably miss a lot of the spiritual dimension of who God is and what he does. You go, really? What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, did you know that it's in a moment's time that somebody moves from their old life to their new life? It is a decision in a moment. Now, it may have taken months or even sometimes years to get from that point to this point, but it's in a moment. Do you know it's in a moment that people get baptized? One minute they're on the sidelines, and then they realize, man, I, I want to make this decision. I want to move forward in the things of Christ. I want to be obedient to what he says. And they step up, and they get baptized in a moment. Somebody makes a decision to pop the question in a moment. See, if, if God can do all of those things in a moment... What makes us believe that he can't use the new year to begin to reestablish some new things in our heart, our life, our thinking, to move us forward? Because God is a God who lives and he works in the moments. That's what he does. That's how he works. That's what the reason some of us are where we are today, because it was in a moment of time that God did something. God moved upon us. His Holy Spirit was working in us. And as we step into this new year, you can't read the scriptures without seeing that God puts a high, high premium on special days and special moments and special times in the life of his people. And I'm convinced that this isn't some kind of, we don't, we don't approach this time as some kind of superstitious religious people who live in this empty supposition that everything can change just because we change the page of a calendar or we, there's some kind of magical tick to your watch at 1201. But I do believe that we as anybody, if anybody, need to live with an expectancy that we know that better things can come. Why? Because we know that the Lord is very, very faithful to move upon and within and through anything that is given to him. That's why, you know what? I, I hope that you're, you've, you've begun to think about this moving into the new year, that you would want to say first and foremost, Lord, I just want to submit. I want to give myself to you this coming year. It's such a natural time to refocus and to recalibrate. If you look at your notes, you'll even note that Paul was one who did that. He said in a number of places, he said in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, make sure you take time to examine yourself. He talks about in four or five different places, he talks about his goals. 1 Corinthians 5, 9, he says, it's my goal to please Jesus, period. 
He says, that's what I live for. I just want to please Jesus. Philippians 3.14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward for. He says, I know that God is up to something in my life. Do, do you believe that? Or is it just kind of day by day, just kind of go through the motions? Oh, another year. Or do you move and kind of recalibrate to say, I want to have a sense. I want to move with the sense of expectancy with God's agenda moving into this coming year. Because hear me, loved ones, if you believe that and you live on that premise, you'll begin to live with a sense of purpose and agenda. And you'll begin to think, I want to please him with my life, with everything that I do, with all that I say. Galatians 3.3, 3, Paul says, why are you so foolish, Galatians? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? He says there's negative goals too. And in the Christian life, what he's saying here is while we have a part, don't ever forget we have a part to work and to cooperate with the high purposes of God in our lives, but ultimately we can't make it happen by our efforts alone. And Paul says, you can't do this on your own. You can't experience salvation, which is really the wholeness of everything that God wants to bring to our lives on your own effort. And I believe it's imperative, loved ones, that we look back and we reflect on what God has done in order to strategically look forward to be able to see what God wants to do and plan for us in our future. We want to make some evaluations today and, and some decisions really to invite Jesus into our life. And at the end, we're going to do a little exercise that I'm going to encourage you all to engage in and uh, encourage you to be a part of that. But I want to give you three things as we move forward that we all know they're nothing fancy, but they're things that sometimes we forget that can help us move forward. And the first one is to be at peace with your past. Be at peace with your past. One of my favorite, probably my favorite book in the Bible is Philippians. Paul's writing to this church and he's in prison. And in chapter three, he's getting really practical. And the whole book of the joy is about, your, uh, is about joy and your mindset, how you think. And he comes and in verse, I'm going to kind of interrupt him, which is kind of difficult, but in verse 9 and verse 10, he says this, my goal, my goal, see, it's not unspiritual, it's not unbiblical to have goals, he says, my goal, my focus is to know him and the power of his resurrections and the fellowship of his sufferings, if that's where it takes me, so that I'd be conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. And he's, he's, he's saying that almost parenthetically because he knows that when he dies, he's going to be resurrected as Jesus was. But he says, not that I have already reached that goal, or am already fully mature. See, Paul, he's writing the Bible here. Now, he doesn't know that, but he's, he, he, he's experienced some incredible things with God, and he says, man, I'm not even there yet. I'm not fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I don't consider myself taking hold of it, but one thing I do, underline that in your Bible, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. 
Paul says, my priority is this. It's one thing. I want to live for Jesus. I want to finish the race that he's called me to. Here's a, the, the race that he's talking about here. It could be the Ithmian games uh, that they uh, participated in at that time, or it could also be uh, the Olympics, even as we know them today, which preceded Christ. But Paul is using this metaphor, this example, and saying, listen, I'm in a race. And I'm reaching, and my race is ultimately going to lead me heavenward. But in between there, I want to be able to apprehend and take everything that I could. I want to receive, I want to be a part of everything that God has for me. But Paul, if you read the first nine verses there in Philippians, he was kind of a rascal. He persecuted the church before he'd become a Christ follower, before he had this momentous one-moment encounter with the living Christ. And he was encountered by Jesus, and it was there that he turned, and he was no longer killing Christians. He was no longer persecuting Christians. He was no longer pulling Christians out of their homes and beating them, but he became a follower. Uh, he was one of the most well-educated men. He would have been one of the smartest Pharisees, he tells us. And all of that stuff, you know what he says? He says, I'm forgetting it. I'm forgetting what's behind me because I've got to focus on what's ahead of me, the person of Jesus Christ and my heavenward call to get me there. <clears throat> are there things from this last year you need to forget? Are, are there things from your life that you just need to forget? Perhaps it's a loss, a divorce, the death of a loved one this past year or past season. Maybe it's a family estrangement. Maybe it's a betrayal. Maybe it's a resentment. Maybe it's an anger. Maybe it's guilt that you have for making a wrong decision, regret over a series of decisions that have possibly potentially made your life difficult right now. It may be envy of others who have more than you do. And you've worked harder, you've done better, you follow Jesus, but they seem to be getting further ahead. Or maybe there's some shame in your life that gets rooted in the early experiences of your life. You've had people, you've had teachers, you have parents that say, you know what, you're frankly, you're just not good enough. They always wanted something more. They always wanted something better. Or like Paul, maybe it's the flip side. You've had to forget some past successes because those can keep you in bondage too and keep you from moving forward into what God has for you because you can become settled and set in the past. But this is one of the greatest statements in the scriptures, I believe, where Paul says, I am forgetting. Because you know what? We can't forget everything that has taken place in our past. We have to be in this process of forgetting. It's not some kind of, the idea here that Paul is talking about isn't some kind of stoic repression or denial of our memories. You know that doesn't work. But it implies rather this disregard where he disregards the past. It has no power over him. And that whatever happened in the past, whatever happened to your loved ones last December, last June, last May, whenever, whatever, 
you disregard what happened there so that it does not affect you in your present. And that's really what Paul is saying. Diminish its power over you for your present. You know what that means? It means you got to deal with it. It means you got to face up to it. You got to belly up to it. You can't sweep it under the carpet. You can't hide it. You have to deal with it or it's going to begin to hold you back like an anchor. It's going to keep you out of your race from moving closer to Jesus. Years ago, there was a dog. I was watching it on the beach and it was big dog and it was running on the beach and all of a sudden this wave came up and caught it and smacked it. So what did that dog do? It turned around and started barking at it. Bark, bark and jumping at this at these waves and then it bared its teeth. Can I tell you something? It wasn't going to change that wave or any other waves coming in. And sometimes we do that. You have to deal with it because you can't simply extract yourself from those things that you want to forget and leave behind without the power of Christ and you understand the power and the grace of his forgiveness for your life. Because here's what I know. Just when you think you can forget the past, guess what? It rears its ugly head and it can begin to haunt you. The enemy has it in a powerful way to throw things at us and in our face and make us relive them. The key here is that you have, as Paul says, I am forgetting. I haven't forgotten, but I am forgetting what's behind me, and I am pressing forward. You've got to have a forward focus. In a couple of areas, how is your relationship with yourself and with God? When you get to the end, when you're heavenward, and you live with this thinking day by day, do you feel like you're filling time or you're fulfilling time with God's purposes? It's so easy just to fill time. But are you fulfilling God's purposes for your lives? Are you making a difference in some way? Are you hearing God's voice to say, I want you to step out in this. I want you to try this. I want you to move into this. Are you a person that you could live with? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you someone that people can live with? And can you live with yourself? I was talking with someone recently who failed in a pretty significant way. They were broken over it. And all they want to do is move on, and I understand that. And in this process of working with them and through it, I said, this does not have to define you, friend, unless you allow it. This doesn't have to be who you are, and it definitely doesn't have to be, be who you become unless you allow it. And he goes, well, I just want to, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want this to follow me. And I go, here's the good news. It doesn't have to, but it will. <laughs> That's not good news, but it's the truth. I said, you will never forget this season and this moment. Because the, those things that get etched in your heart and your mind and your thinking, they just don't leave. 
What do you do? You have to diminish them. You have to devalue them, and you have to move away from them with forward thinking. Because when you're laying down, when you're sitting somewhere, when you're experiencing maybe some other kind of pain, it's amazing how those haunting things can come back, but they don't have to haunt you. They can be very, very distant memories if you're moving forward in Jesus. Because I went, I was, when I sat there, I told this, this, this person, I said, you know what? Every bad thing I've done, I remember. And I do. Every bad thing, I, but they don't bother me because I know they're covered by the cross. I know that where I've been able to, I've gone back to the person and tried to make it right. Not because I'm so good, not because I'm so perfect. It's just because I don't want to live in my past. And then how about your relationship with others? Is your relational ledger clean? Are there things you've done or said that you need to undo or unsay? That's how we begin, loved ones, to move from our past, is we face it, we take care of it. Take care of your past. Part of the exercise today will just be to note anything that maybe you need to face, need to deal with. <clears throat> Live with a Christ awareness in your present. <clears throat> Excuse me. Live with a Christ awareness in your present. The theme for this year... Thank you. Thank you. We got these... <laughs> I tell you, the devil's in technology. Probably shouldn't say that. It sounded like a worship song. This year, our theme, hey, that was perfect. Awareness. Oh. Our, our theme for this year, loved ones, is awareness. That we would be a people, that I would be a pastor and a person who would not only pursue Jesus, but we would live with this continual awareness of his life being present in us, working through us and all around us. That we tune our ear, that we train our ear toward heaven and to hear the whispers of his heart and his voice to us every day in every way. Why is that? You know, I just... There's something about this season in my life where I just, I, I want to experience, I want to know, I want to hear Jesus every day. Not just periodically, not just when I need him, but just, I, I, want, I want the cadence of my day to be run by the Spirit of God. And I believe that can happen. When God came to Elijah in his most difficult time, he was ready to chuck the ministry. As a matter of fact, he was suicidal. 1 Kings 19 and 20. And God comes to him. He's beat down. He's tired. He hasn't eaten. He's thirsty. And God comes to him and he says, I want to speak to you, Elijah. And he says this, I'm not in the earthquake. And there's this big earthquake. And then he sends these howling winds. He says, I'm not in the wind. And then he says, I'm not, I'm not in the fire. And he sends this big fire. And he says, here I am, Elijah. I'm a small voice. I'm a whisper." I don't know about you, but I don't want to have to become suicidal. And I don't want to have to become hungry and thirsty and tired to the point of exhaustion where I finally hear that precious voice. 
and, and if you haven't been here f- for very long, I'm not talking about this literal voice, but I'm talking about this whisper, this sense, this nudge, this sense in our heart and our spirit where God speaks to us. Isaiah 30, 18 to 21 says, Therefore the Lord is waiting to show you mercy, and he's rising to show you compassion, for the Lord is a just God. And all who patiently wait for him are happy. Wow. Just wait for him. Just wait. It'll bring joy to your life. The Lord will give you meager bread and water during oppression. But your eyes will see your teacher. And hear this. This is, this is it. And whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice with this command behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Can you imagine what our lives would be like if we just did that? You're going along. Over here. Over here. You'll get this. That's kind of what I want to sense where it's, I don't, I don't want a ticker tape thing print out, but I want to just know that when I'm going through the days that God is speaking to me and I'm hearing him. What a joy to take a portion of our day, loved ones, and we're going to talk about this next week, to quiet ourselves and to tune our hearts and minds toward heaven. That as we become quiet before the Lord, we set our heart and we set our ear and our spirit to begin to hear, go this way. Do this. Speak here. How did Jesus speak with such wisdom? How did he know what to do while he was here? Well, he was God. Yeah, but he was also man. And here's the fact. There is this sense of awareness between him and the living God, his father. This is a prophetic word concerning Jesus, and this is really our our verse for the year, Isaiah 50, verse 4. It says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with the word. He wakens me each morning. He awakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. What if you got up every morning this year and you just stopped? And he said, Lord, today, I'm going to tune my ear, my heart. I want to be one who is as instructed. That I'm going to hear your word, and it's going to teach me to hear your voice so that wherever I go, whatever I do, man, I'm dialed in. What kind of life do you think you would have? Jesus needed this to seek his father, it says, to receive his marching orders, how much more you and I to be sensitized to the voice and the heart of God. I had a memorial service uh, celebration, wonderful celebration of life yesterday. It was just one of those, uh, if, if you can imagine it, fun. You know, there's tears of sadness and grief and everything, but th- th- this is just one of those that was truly a celebration. And it was a, a, a Creeksider uh, that was relatively new here that most of you would not have known. And uh, we're doing the service and everything is going and uh, I, we, we do our part. And uh, Jake was singing there yesterday and I got to kind of do the service and did a lot, had a lot of moving parts, and after we were done, I was just kind of grabbing, getting ready to grab my Bible to be able to come and come home, and 
um, the coordinator, one of the coordinators of the deal there where they were having it comes up to me and she says, you know, thank you. Thank you, you just, you, you really encouraged me today. And I go, well, well, thank you, that's very kind of you. And then she started just telling me a little bit of her story because she lived in this gated community and she told me some of her story and as she was going on, she ended up saying, and by the way, I, I'm, I'm fighting lung cancer right now. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. And she went on telling her story. And all of a sudden, I start hearing this sense of pray for her. Now, you know how God speaks to you? It's like in nanoseconds. He, he speaks to you, and then I'm thinking, no, I don't know. I don't even know if she's a woman of faith. And she keeps telling me her story, and I'm listening, and pray for her. I don't know. It's weird because there's all these people around us. And if I pray for her, it's going to look weird. And I don't know if she's going to be comfortable with that. I don't have a problem with that, but I don't know if she's going to be comfortable with it. And he goes, pray for her. And she's going on with her story. And finally, she's done. And I just said, well, thank you so much for sharing your story with me and your kind words. And I looked at her. And I go, would you just mind if I prayed for you and laid my hand on your shoulder? She looks at me and she goes, no. So right there, and there's people running around, and you know, it's a pretty busy room, and I just pray for her. When we're done, and she just looks at me, and she goes, thank you, that meant so much. I have family that they have churches. One of them's in Alabama, and one was somewhere else that are praying for me. Thank you for doing that. Now, here's the point. I, I think that the reason that I, I almost didn't want to do it because of her, but here's the deal. God was speaking to me. And why don't I trust that voice? And just say, okay, Lord, as soon as she's done talking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And that's what I want us to be a church like, where we just hear God. Hey, would you just go give that person a couple hundred bucks? They need it. Would you come and would you just call this person or send them a note or do something and minister to them? I want to be able, loved ones, I want to pray for our church that we would do that, that we would become so sensitive to the voice of God that there wouldn't be a day that goes by where we don't go, wow, God was there today. I mean, he always is, right? But where you can go at the end of the day, say, God, thank you, I saw you. I sensed you. And I experienced it in a way that I got to touch somebody or encourage somebody. Well, would you pray with me, would you? Father, we come this morning, and Lord, first and foremost, I want that for my life, that everywhere I go, that there would be the sense of the presence of the living Christ who's speaking to me because he lives within me, and his Holy Spirit indwells me. And I pray that, Lord, for our people here that Creekside would become a, an incredible force for the Spirit of God, not in this place, but, Lord, in our community. That because we just say, Lord, speak to me, and then we move and we do, we don't question. Lord, let there be that kind of awareness this year in 2019. I pray that, I believe that, Lord, I ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.
Last thing is uh, lean into your future hope. Lean into your future hope because God is at work. And you have to believe that. I, I do. I've been through some dark times in a season, and I had to come back and begin to really believe God was at work. And I'm going to talk about that and possibly part of next week about what that brings about. But lean into your future knowing God is at work. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. We see again this theme, this idea. It's probably one of the reasons why people have a tendency to believe that this could have been a Pauline letter. Because again, he's using these, probably the Olympic or the Isthmian Games, Isthmian Games. And he's talking and using it as an analogy or a metaphor where they had the, like we have today, they have the track, they have the field events, they had boxing. And he's referencing again that we have this race that God's called us to run. And that verse is a reference to the practice of it. A lot of times some of those runners, what they would do is they would, they would put weights in, their, in, in a different set of clothing than what they actually competed and ran in, so they would add weight to them. Uh, when I played basketball growing up, we had these things called ankle weights. And there would be these weights in these uh, straps that I would strap to my ankle, and I would run with them, and I would actually wear them all day. So they would strengthen my legs so that when I took them off, man, I felt like I could jump higher and run faster than everybody, even though I couldn't. If you see me now that I'm able to start kind of jogging again, if you see me, you're going to see me. I wear this big, heavy hoodie and a big old stocking cap and sweatpants. You know why? Because I want to, I'm 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 training because I can't wait to the day when I'm able to really run and it gets warmer and I'm in better shape and I can just throw on some little stinky little small little running shorts, you know, and <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't do that. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. You know, you wear a tank top or something or I won't do that either. Um, <laughs> where you can light, where you can wear a light shirt and shorts and shoes because you can just run. That's what he's talking about here. He says, I want you to take us, I want you to, I want you to be aware of what you've got to set aside. See, the great gallery of faith, he says, those that have gone before you, the mighty cloud of witnesses, he's referring to uh, chapter 11 and this gallery of great saints that have gone before him. And the reason he's writing that and using all of these incredible people that experienced incredible difficulty, but were still incredible people of faith, he says, I want you to remember them. That their faith was rewarded with triumph in the end. 
And what, what, what probably Paul or whoever the writer is, they're saying, I want you to lay aside anything that would turn you aside instead of, I want you to lay aside anything that would divert you from what God has for you in your race. Divest yourself of those things. Because he says here, lay aside. Take off those things that are cumbersome. Why? Because Jesus is the author and the finish of our faith. And we're looking to him to run with endurance. You know what that word idea is there with endurance? It's a long race. It's not, it's not a hundred yard sprint. It's a marathon. And don't ever forget, loved ones, it's your life. It's a long course to God. It takes a long time. And what I want us to see here is don't look at this because I know some of us go, oh yeah, here we go, the rah-rah for the new year. But what I think he's saying is, is what I would say to us and I'm hearing is this isn't about, okay, petering out in the first part of February, but he says, I want you to run this way from now until December 31st next year. And then we're going to start again. But we're going to make some decisions that are for the long haul in following Jesus. I love this passage because of that phrase, the race that is set before you, because it's a direct reference that we're not setting out on some kind of uncharted or uncertain, uncertain course. It is simply an unexperienced race and next part of the race. God knows where we're going. We're like a runner, man. We're in the gates. We're, we're, we're in the blocks. And we're just listening for the gun to take off. And the Lord is calling each one of us to a place of beginning fresh with him in this season, moving in faith and moving in certainty because he's going before us. That's what it says in verse two. Whatever, wherever you're going to run, he's been there. He's done that. There's two factors. One, the Lord is saying, I want you to run with the boundaries that I've set before you. Don't violate the lane or you'll disqualify yourself. That's what happens to runners. They've got those white lines. And if they're running and they don't stay within them, guess what? They get disqualified. Stay in your lane, loved ones. Second thing, however, is that, is that the Lord is the one who sets the course. Hear this. He sets the course. And while he calls us to a narrow way, he says, when you go and stay in your lane in this narrow way, guess what happens? It's going to be the most fruitful way. And you can run it. Why? Because I've gone there before. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. He, literally, he's the one that founded our faith and he's accomplished its full provision. And whatever you, God has things set up for you, loved ones, if you'll just run the race and you'll stay in your lane. He's saying, just watch, watch where I walk. Watch my life. Watch how I got through things. I've been there before. I felt the Spirit really speaking that here's where it starts is you got to discard any excess baggage. Lay aside any of the weights that hinder you. And I suppose some of those things could be some of those things we noted uh, when it talked about releasing your past, be at peace with your past. Because he says two things that are weights, which is part of the training. And then he says another thing that's sin that isn't part of this training. 
There's sometimes good things that you use to get ready, but sometimes you just got to set them aside because they'll hold you back. Isn't that what a runner does? Have you ever seen the runners in the Olympics and major track meets? What do they do? They're wearing this really nice, sleek sweatsuit. And then they get into the blocks. Before they get to the blocks, what do they do? They take off that little, they take off that little suit, and they are wearing those little skivvies. <laughs> Why? Because now they are ready to run. And that's the idea for us. There are just some things in our lives, Lord, I mean, loved ones that aren't sin, but they hold us back. They impede our progress. They diminish our ability to run the race that God has called us to. And I don't even know what that would be for you. Could be things you watch. Could be ways that you think. Could be people you run with that they're influencing you more than I mean, I could come up with a hundred different things, but I believe the Lord would speak those to you today if you say, Lord, what, what, what are some weights that I really don't need? That could even be part of my training. I want to encourage you to do this. I don't have time to go through it. But just, if you would, would you just read Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 sometime this week? It's part of your New Year's. I know you have a reading plan, but just take a moment this week. Read through Ephesians 4 and 5. And say, Lord, if any of these things are hurtful, if any of these things are diminishing my walk and my way with you, would you just speak them to me? Would you just show them to me? And allow the word to kind of wash over you. It's just a wonderful place to start to begin to see some of the encumbrances, maybe even some of the sins that could hold us back. I want to close this way. I have to wonder you know, I'm probably I'm not going to say I'm like you, but sometimes you know what I realize that Change doesn't happen just because I try harder. You know what trying harder all the time does? It makes me tired. It exhausts me. But here's what I am learning. We'll talk about this next week. I am learning that I have to do. And, and the first thing I have to do is what James 4 says, is that I've got to submit to God because he gives grace to the humble. I can bark at all the waves I want, but they're not going to change. First Timothy 4 says to exercise, train yourself in godliness. There is a discipline involved. There has to be effort put forth on our part. But it always starts with submission to the loving God of our life that leads to training. We trust God to help us to succeed. We depend on him. We don't depend on ourselves. Some people don't get that. The reason some of us stumble and we're always starting over and we're never making it's two steps forward and three steps back is because we're, we're just trying too hard. We're trying to run a 100-yard race in a 90-yard building and we keep hitting the wall and we wonder, what's going on here? And we don't learn. God says, would you just, would you look, would you trust, would you, would you be aware of who I am in your life this year?
you don't get a fresh start today because you try. You're going to get a fresh start today, loved ones, because you're trusting in the living Christ. Zechariah 4, 6 says this, you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That is the secret to our success. There's an awareness, and there's a hearing, and there's a living in that dimension. This morning we're going to do just a little exercise. And on, your, on these cards, you're going to see if you want to go ahead and grab one on the table there. I would recommend using some of the pens that we've put out there because uh, regular pens do not write well on these cards. We're going to just take some time to do a little weigh station. Maybe there's some weights in your life that you just need to identify. What's a way station? Well, it's simply too much. Well, a way station is along highways. It's along state borders. It's a point of entry. It's checkpoints. You pull up to it. What do you have to do? You got to find out if your vehicle has too much weight. They want to know if you're carrying or transporting the wrong stuff. They want to check the vehicle for safety and any issues that might be there. That's kind of what I want us to do this morning is just take a weigh station a moment and just kind of answer these questions. Weigh station number one, hits that I had with God. Just take one or two things. Say, God, thank you for this past year. Man, you and I, we hit it out of the park right here. We did this. I love my coworkers better. I serve my family better. Thanks, God, for showing me that. I spoke more kindly to my spouse. What would be those for you? Waystation number two, things to release, past hurts, failures, impediments that really you see keep you moving from moving forward with God. Waystation number three, here's a couple of changes. Don't try and change the world. Just a couple of changes, Lord. Maybe it's one, maybe it's three. I don't know. A couple of changes you want to make this year with Christ's enabling power. Not because you're going to try harder, but because you're going to trust Jesus to do it. And then way station number four. God things to reach for. Dreams you want to pursue this year. Maybe your greatest dream is to have an incredible marriage. Or maybe your greatest dream is to have one of your kids come back to Christ. I don't know. But what is your dream that you're going to pursue and seek God for? Just take a few minutes, if you would, and do that.
You have a few more minutes. When you've finished, if you would, take an envelope and stick it in the envelope and uh, put your address on it. Seal it. About two more minutes. go ahead and finish up there. Some people ask me, why in the world would, would you do this? There's probably a, f a few reasons, probably a lot of reasons, but let me give you just a couple. Number one, I, I did this last year, and, and I, in, in, a, in our New Year's Eve service that we had on Sunday last year, and I just got it back this last uh, week, a little week ago. You know what? I had some wonderful hits, and I had some misses. But it reminded me that, you know what, we all have good intentions, but very few of us are intentional. And I'm probably going to talk a little bit about that next week. And I want, to, I want to be intentional with my life. I want to challenge you to be intentional. And that's probably one of the first reasons. Second reason is I, I, I just want to come at the beginning of the year and make sure that I'm offering up thanks to the Lord and recognizing what he means to me because he's given me everything I have. I mean, he's just given me everything. And why would I not want to start the year with him? And the third thing is I just, I, I want to come and, and declare my dependence upon him. Because I'm, I'm, it's pretty easy for me to become independent. And I want to just, I want to declare my dependence upon him and 
you know, people get up in the middle or, or at 12 o'clock, you know, and they're shooting guns and they're banging pans and firecrackers and having big toasts. And some of you chuckle because that's what you do or you've done or whatever. But I want to make sure I start the new year off where I come before the living God and say, I want to know you better. I want to follow you more. I want to experience your life.